Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Um, yeah, so we're going to do something a little bit different. Hello, back there. <laughs> we're going to do something um, a little bit different this morning. So I um, don't want to take too much time in preaching the word, but I will say um, what is needed to be said. Um, and then after that, we're going to take communion together. And then from there, um, I really believe that God wants to give us his Holy Spirit this morning. So for those of you who have yet to receive this gift that God promises as the inheritance for all of those who believe in Jesus, this morning is your morning. He's so here and and I commend you um, who have brought your faith this morning. You're believing that you're going to be touched by God this morning and and we just want to agree with that. so I had like a full message prepared, you know, we do our work, we prepare, um, but yeah, I just, I don't want to, I guess I don't want to use it, um, but I want us to have a look today um, in Acts chapter 2, so if you do have your Bibles with you this morning, flick there with me. Um, last week we started this series, Doves, Flames and What, um, and basically it's a conversation about the Holy Spirit, who He is and His function in our lives, how through Him we're able to have a relationship, a personal relationship with God the Father. And Pastor Nate spoke a brilliant word last week and if you haven't podcasted that, get on to it. Um, but basically he, he unpacked that um, the Holy Spirit is God's gift of Himself to us so that God didn't have to be distant from us but that he could come and dwell in our midst that he could be living on the inside of us and so this morning we're going to look at Acts chapter 2 because God has promised us this incredible gift but we need to know how we receive this gift and you know a lot of people will ask us how do we receive this gift and the more that I study scripture the more I realize that it's a partnership that God is willing to give us this gift. He's ready, ready to pour out this morning on us, I believe. But we also need to know how to receive this gift. So Acts chapter 2, go there with me. Um, Just to set up a bit of context, what happened when Jesus was here on earth with his disciples walking with his 12, he told them that God had promised them the gift of the Holy Spirit that was an inheritance for all of those who believed in Jesus, who were God's children. And so Jesus told them there will come a time where, you know, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again and I'm going to ascend into heaven. But then that's when God is going to give you this gift of the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 2, what we find, these disciples, they've gathered in Jerusalem. They're awaiting this gift from God to be poured out upon them. And the Bible talks about how there, there was this sound like a mighty roaring wind from heaven. And then the people who were gathered there began to speak in other languages. And what we call um, speaking in tongues, and Pastor Nate's going to unpack that in the weeks to come. But they began to speak in other languages. And at the same time, there was this other group of people in Jerusalem. They were Jews, so they were Jewish people. Um, they did the um, descend descendants their their heritage was was Jerusalem but they actually lived in all different areas of the world so they had come to Jerusalem for this appointed time and I don't believe it's a coincidence but God had called them there 
And so there are these people here gathered and as this other group over here, the ones that were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in those other languages. These people over here could hear their native tongue. And so they began to be curious and they were wondering what's going on and what does this mean? And so they come over and they join this meeting. And then there's this other group. There's always the skeptics, always the critics, but there's this third group of people who started to mock the ones speaking other languages because they just thought they were drunk. (laughs) This third group had never left Jerusalem, so they weren't familiar with any other languages. And so they just began mocking what was going on. They didn't understand what God was actually doing in their midst. But then there was this man who was there. He was experiencing it all. He was, I believe he would have been leading what was going on. And his name was Peter. He was one of the disciples that walked with Jesus. And so Peter, seeing what's going on, that, oh my goodness, God's just poured out the Holy Spirit, this gift that he's promised us. It's been poured out. And then there are these other people who are coming. They're wondering what's going on. And then there's this third group as well. This is an awesome opportunity to preach the gospel. This would be an awesome opportunity to see these other people baptized in the Holy Spirit. And through this conversation, through this dialogue that Peter has with the people, he basically gets up where he is and he starts to preach the gospel. He starts to tell the people all about Jesus. And through this dialogue, we see some really key things that allowed the people to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to unpack them really quickly so we can take communion and get praying together. So the first thing, Peter started to preach the gospel. Why did he preach the gospel? Why didn't he start just laying hands on people, starting to pray for people? Why didn't they just start worshipping God? That felt like an appropriate thing they could have done in that moment. But I believe that Peter knew something about the Word of God. He knew that when hearing the Word of God, it brings about faith in people. And so he began to preach the gospel. He started telling people about Jesus. And because he knew his audience were Jewish, he knew that they had spent their whole lives reading the Scriptures. They had spent their whole lives coming to the temple, sacrificing offerings to God. But they lacked the very thing that brought them peace with God, real peace and relationship with God. And that person was Jesus And so he tells them that this man that came, this Jewish man that came and dwelt amongst you, who walked amongst you, God did miracles, signs and wonders through him. He was there. He came, but he died. He rose again and then he ascended into heaven and you missed it. Peter says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Talk about feeling guilty. You not only missed the Messiah, the Deliverer, the Saviour that your scriptures told you about, but you helped put him on the cross. You helped to crucify him. You know, For a long time, I found it very easy to point the finger at these people, the people who crucified Jesus. Around Easter time as a kid, I love watching those movies. Um, TV doesn't put them on anymore around Easter, but those Jesus movies. And whenever it came to that crucifixion scene, I would get so angry. I would start to cry because these people, 
put my innocent Saviour on the cross. But then it hit me that I too put Jesus on the cross. You see, it wasn't just the sins of the people in that place in Jerusalem at the time that Jesus died for, that they may be forgiven of their sin. It was each and every one of us. Isaiah says it like this. In chapter 53, it says, Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Jesus didn't just die for one or two or three people's sins for the people who had already lived, but he came so that the whole world, every single person that is born onto this earth may be forgiven of their sin and have peace with God, have relationship with God. So one thing that we need to come face to face with is that we too need forgiveness from sin. We need to recognize this. And you know, as Peter was preaching that day, the people realized what had happened. They realized that they had crucified Jesus and they were cut to the heart. The Bible says they were cut to the heart. Peter was talking about the conviction that they had, where they just knew they were at odds with God. There was nothing they could do. There was nothing they could say to make them guilt-free or free from sin. They were at odds with God. And so they asked Peter and the apostles, what must we do? There's got to be something that we can do. There's got to be a way that we can undo all this, that we can be set free from our sin. We've missed the Savior. We've missed the Messiah. But there must be something that we can do to have relationship with God. And that's when Peter says, repent for the forgiveness of your sins in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For a long time, I thought that sin made me a bad person. You know, because when we sin, we do bad things, we can hurt people. And that is really bad. That's, that's all bad stuff. But that's not what I, found, what I find when I read the Word of God. I find that sin doesn't make me a bad person. It makes me a dead person. And the beauty of God's love is that He's allowed us to repent for the forgiveness of our sins. And through Jesus we actually get life again. You see, when we repent, it's not just saying sorry for the bad things we've done. Hey, we've all done bad things. But that's not enough to free us from the grip of sin in our life. What we must do 
is repent because see repentance allows us to identify that Jesus took our sin on him and he took it to the grave he died once for all and it has covered all of us not just the people who had lived then but for all of us to come our sons and daughters in the future he died once and for all for the forgiveness of sin for us all and so we acknowledge that Christ's death means that our sin has gone to the grave but because Jesus rose again three days later we have this promise we identify with Christ that we too can rise again we can become spiritually alive again we no longer need to be dead in our sin but we become dead to sin and we become alive in Jesus Christ so in order for us to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit this morning. And I know there are many of you here who already have, but you're hungry and you're dry and you're thirsty for more. You're thirsty for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I believe God's going to do that this morning. But in order to receive this gift, we need to put our faith in Jesus. We need to acknowledge that we need forgiveness of sin we need to repent we need to put that conviction into action knowing that God is right there willing to forgive us you see a couple of uh I think it was a couple of family dinners ago I was at my parents house and I was just admiring my dad's dad and mum's spice rack it was awesome and um I had this obsession with making fur, like the Vietnamese soup failed completely. But anyway, um, so I was looking at their spice rack and I was like, Mom, you have to leave this for me in your will. You have to. Whatever weird thought, but you have to. I just wanted it so bad. But in order for me to receive that spice rack, someone has to die. (laughs) And I'm not like, I want to move from that thought quickly because that saddens me. I don't want my parents to die. But the thing is, the Holy Spirit is this inheritance. It's the promise of the inheritance. But in order for us to receive it, someone had to die. And that was Jesus Christ. He was nailed to the cross for our sin, but he rose again, that we may receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So this morning, we're going to take communion Um, host team if you can help us out with that that'd be fantastic so when we take communion this is a time where we are in a sense repenting we are acknowledging we are identifying ourselves with Jesus who took our sin to the grave but the fact that he rose again And we can have life, eternal life through him. And so as you take that this morning, um, we might stand to our feet. Is that cool? Yeah, if you can join me, stand to your feet as the host team distribute that. We're going to spend a moment, and this is a moment for you. If you have walked away from God and maybe you've never even had a relationship with God, a real intimate, personal one, and you are sensing him call you to himself this morning that's what our bible teaches us that he calls you to himself because he loves you and he wants to pour out his spirit he wants to put himself in you 
this morning, this is your opportunity to say yes to Christ, to say yes to, I'm identifying with Christ. I can't deal with my sin anymore. I know I'm guilty of it, but I I don't want to deal with it any other way. I just want Jesus to deal with it for me. As we take the bread and the cup this morning, that's what we're doing. We're saying, Jesus, I hand it over to you. I hand over the control over to you. I can't do this on my own. But the other part of taking communion is that we also are taking in Jesus' life. It's not that we are free from sin or cut off from the power of sin, but Jesus himself comes into our heart and he feels that place. So this morning in your own time, when you take communion, you can take the cup, you can take the bread. Because we want this to be a personal time where you're acknowledging, where you're identifying yourself with Christ. So we just give you a few moments for that. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.